Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart. Hey, did I get your attention? We're doing something special for the next month. We're going to focus on now business. Like how do you generate income today, right now? My name is Jesse Zagorski. You probably know me as one of the regular hosts here, producer of the Agent Power Huddle. I'm also a broker associate with EXP. And what I keep hearing over and over again is agents that truly need to shift their business. The market shifted, they need to shift and they got to close the deals today. And so whether you're a brand new agent, this series is for you. Experienced agent, this series is for you. It doesn't matter. Agent on a team, team leader, we're going to give you strategies and techniques to figure out how to scale and grow your business to close deals today. Not in the future, not tomorrow, today. This is what we're focusing on all month, the techniques, the strategies you need. So welcome to the Agent Power Hub. What's up, guys? I got to tell you, it is super disoriented hearing yourself talking to yourself while doing a Facebook Live. I was trying to do all that at once, and it was it was weird. <laughs> Good to see some friendly faces. Uh, if you do not have your camera on and you are not driving or operating heavy machinery, I highly recommend turning your camera on. Number one, because I get lonely, and it just keeps me keeps me having friends. And number two, because it helps keep you engaged. And what we're talking about today, guys, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go laser fast laser focused. I'm going to hit a lot in 28 minutes or less. This is something that I'm not trying to be dramatic. What I'm going to teach you has impacted my business probably more than anything else I've learned in my entire 20-year career. Okay, I've probably made more money, made more friends, created better client experiences from what I'm going to show you. And it is so simple but yet it does take a lifetime to master. Um, we've got some people here that are pretty good at this too. So it's intimidating. I got my friend, uh, Brian Curtis, who truly is like an NLP expert who's here. Um, he's been on Agent Power Huddle before if you haven't ever seen him, but he's he's literally going to like another city to spend an entire month training on the depths of this sort of thing. So Brian, I'm glad you're here, dude. Um, Thanks, no, no pressure or anything, right? For me to, for me to live up to, anyway. Man, you'll do great. I have no doubt that uh, you've got this down. <laughs> So, well, but but here, here's the difference, by the way. Here's here's what you're gonna get in the next 28 minutes. That 27 minutes now, I'm gonna give you the cliff notes. I'm gonna give you actionable information on how to build rapport and how to improve your listening skills, right? And and they they say if you heard this quote, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? We already know intuitively that that you want to listen more than you talk. Yet a lot of us. When we're listening, there's a, some filters we have. I'm going to break that all this. Sound, sound like a plan, guys? Raise your hand if you're like, I like this. I like where we're going. And to give it more context, when the market shifted a few months ago, when interest rates started rising and things started softening, right? Some of your pipelines disappeared. I truly believe that this is the moment where skills matter more now than ever before. And active listening and rapport, they're the building blocks for everything else you learn. If you master these, everything else falls into place. If you skip these, no matter what advanced techniques, negotiations, dialogues, they all fall apart without these two. That's why we're starting here. So this month has been now business the entire month. We're going to continue this through November because I think this is what the industry needs right now are these skills. Everyone good with this? We ready to roll? All right, cool. If you have any questions as we go, please feel free to stop me. Feel free to ask questions. That's why we do this live. Um, but if you just like and listening in, I'm just going to roll with it. So here's what we got, guys. We got rapport and active listening uh, to our graphic artist, Rents, by the way, if he watches this recording, if I pass it on. I love this image so much. When I saw this, it made me smile. He made this last night at like three in the morning. I got the, uh, I got the slide deck. I was like, oh, it's so good. Anyway, uh, so I love this, this image. All right. Connection. If you want to connect deeply with clients, I'm not going to go into why you'd want to connect deeply. Hopefully you understand that you want that connection. It creates a better experience, feels better for you, better for them. Things go better when you're connection, right? 
Number one, you got to get out of your own way. So if you're taking notes, write this down, get out of your own way. What do I mean by that? Before you go into any client interaction, especially if it's going to be something where you know it's high tension or high stakes, where you may want to relax, even if you're just doing daily prospecting, even if you're just doing follow-up calls to your database, your past clients, your spheres, your friends, sometimes as agents, we get in our own head, right? How many times have you guys lately been really hyper aware of the fact that things are different now than they were six months ago, <laughs> right? I'm seeing nodding heads, okay? Get out, you got to get out of your own head and focus on the person you want to connect with. And so in order to do that for me, I do breathing exercises. I visualize, I meditate. There's all sorts of things. We do whole separate trainings on that, but just at a baseline, you got to figure out a way to get out of your own head. Because if you're nervous, that comes across as seeming uninterested. You don't realize what it's showing up as, but if you are coming off a little nervous, people think you just don't care, right? That, that's the worst thing we want. So you're going to watch for nonverbal signals. If you really want to learn to master rapport, we got to start to watch nonverbal things. So, and some of these are, are verbal, I guess, tone of voice is verbal, but it's beyond the words they say, right? Tone of voice, right? How, is it high? Is it low? How do they speak? We've got gestures and posture. That one is nonverbal. There we go. At least I got one of them, right? right? Am I talking with my hands? Am I doing, am I leaning in? Am I leaning back? You all intuitively know, I got to sit back from my camera. If I do this, you don't have to say it out loud, but just even if we're on mute, mouth the words. What does this mean if I sit like this in a meeting? So I'm not seeing any mouth the words. Mouth the words does this mean? What's this? I can't hear you, but say it out loud anyway. What does this mean if I sit like this? Uninterested. Yeah, not Uninterested, closed off, frustrated, mad. But you guys get that intuitively, right? If I cock my head like this, what does that mean? I'm curious, right? You, you want to see what sort of language you are sending to others as well as what you are receiving from others. And just having an awareness of these things, just having an awareness is where it starts. You don't go into mastery. You start with where you're at. So if you're already pretty good at this stuff, if you already kind of know a little bit, Scale this for where you're at in this journey. Some of you guys are already rapport masters. So look for the things that you have maybe forgotten about or places you could take it to another level. Some of you are brand new in this skill set and look for this as just a baseline. Does that make sense, guys? Because I'm talking to all different people, different skill levels here. So we got gestures and posture, okay? Rate of speech. I've been talking for about six minutes so far. Let's do a little show of hands. Raise your hand, those of you on camera, if you believe I talk fast. Those of you with hands up, you got to learn to listen faster. No, I'm kidding. I talk pretty fast. Okay. Now raise your hand if you think I talk slow. Anybody think I talk slow? How many of you guys think I talk normal speed? Raise your hand if you're like, this is normal. Okay. So some of you were kind of both, you didn't know what choice I was going to give you, but it's all relative. Leslie said in the chat box, I talk fast. I know that I talk fast. When I stand on stage, take a deep breath before I come on. Because my natural tendency is because I talk fast and I think fast, right? Brian says, I slow up and speed down. I do. I vary the speed very consciously to emphasize certain points like I'm doing right now. Because when I talk really fast and I slow down, it's like, you guys kind of lean in, right? That's something I consciously do. It's something you can do all this. I've played with it for years, right? So rate of speech. And by the way, I'm going to explain how this tie together. I just wanted you to know the things you should be looking for, Right? You can also do, let's see, what, what was the last? I threw one more thing on here. There's even more that didn't make it on the slide. Oh, no, answer reporting. We'll get to that in a second. So the other things that are not on here, we have tone of voice, gesture and posture. We have rate of speech. We have diction, like the choice of words. I guess that's not nonverbal, but it's it, these, the, the type of words people use matter. And when you use the same words as them, we can talk about 
tonality, right? We can talk about inflection. You can even go so far as accents. That's a whole separate conversation, right? The way, this is the bottom line, guys. Think about the way you talk to your grandmother, if they're still with us, or, or someone who's older than you, significantly older than you. Do you talk to them the same way you talk to a seven-year-old? If you do, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Unless you have a really advanced, like my seven-year-old super advanced, I'd probably talk to him the same way I talk to an adult. But you get the idea, right? Maybe a four-year-old. You're going to engage with different people different ways. And when we engage with them in the way that they are comfortable, not only does it keep their guard down, not only can it help you fly under the radar and become one of their inner circle and really create that connection, but it feels better for them. You create friction. So here's a story that... Um, Tom Ferry told this story 15 years ago. I don't think of credit where the stories come from because this is not my story, right? And this will tie into the anti-rapport game. I'm going to give you guys some actionable homework for this. So Tom Ferry told me this story 15 years ago and it's still stuck. You guys know who Tom Ferry is, right? Real estate coach. So I'm not in Tom Ferry coaching with these days, but like I remember this story because it stuck with me 15 years. He said he was on stage in Texas and I started in Tom Ferry coaching back in 2005. So we're going back a number of years here, right? So he's in Texas and this story is probably 10 years before this. So we're, we're talking, we're probably nineties, Texas. Can you guys picture big hair, blue eyeshadow? I mean, this, like Matt Soto is your mustache. Man. He's from Texas. He knows what I'm talking about. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Right. Picture the big hair. Yeah. Some of you guys, one of you. All right. Go, go look up eighties, 1980s, Texas. You'll figure it out. So Tom Ferry's on stage and he's in a room, 1990s, big hair, blue eyes, you know, mainly women in this audience and that are towards the end of their careers. He said, and he gets on the stage and he is just flown in. He went straight to the seminar and he starts talking kind of the way I'm talking really fast, really focused, really energetic. And he's watching the room and the room sits up and they start off kind of leaning in. He's talking fast, going through, doing his thing. If you guys know who Tom Ferry is, I mean, just high energy and he's talking and, and this room is looking at him. And as he's talking in a few minutes, he's watching their faces do this, right? Like, like wider and wider eyes. And then finally, after a few minutes, they go beyond wide eyes. They go to just kind of like leaning back and head down and kind of like, like he is losing them. And he realized he is massively out of rapport. You guys get that? How many of you know in a sales situation when you were with a face-to-face -face or on Zoom or on the phone with a buyer or seller, how many of you raise your hand if you can feel when you're out of rapport? That is a skill set. If you are not aware of that, and by the way, you're probably in, in rapport sometimes and out of rapport sometimes, and you're not present to it. But the more you can develop that intuitive sense of, I'm in rapport or I'm out of rapport. So Tom, who's a master at this, goes, I'm massively out of rapport. And he takes a deep breath and he goes, Whew. you heard me a minute ago, take a deep breath. Right. Breathing is really key for changing state. Take a deep breath, shoulders come down, you start to relax. And he says, Hey, I just want to tell you guys, I was doing a little experiment to see how fast I could get out of rapport with all of you. That was pretty fun, wasn't it? I just wanted to see, do you see what you're feeling right now? I was talking real fast just so you could see what that felt like. But this is how we're going to spend the rest of our time. Does this feel better? And they go, yeah. And, he, and I remember him saying he had to slow way down, he, but he acknowledged it. Do you guys get that? You can literally call attention to this and get back into rapport like that, but it starts by being present to it. Any questions on this before I change gears? Because the first half of this is on rapport. The second half is going to be on active listening. I want to make sure we're clear on the rapport section. I'm going to give you homework on rapport. Any questions on rapport before I roll on? All right. Brian, anything you want to add? I see the thinking face. 
That's just my thinking face. I think you're doing awesome, Jesse. All right, cool. So I appreciate so, it. I, I, I learn here just like experts. everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love when we have other experts here, by the way, guys, because so many of you are qualified to teach this. This is just my take on it. So here is the anti-rapport game. This is how I learn this stuff. Once you're aware of it, it's easier to feel when you're out of rapport than when you're in rapport. I truly believe that was the anti-rapport story. I just told you that was that Tom Ferry story. But here's the game I want you to play. How many of you are bold, brave people that are like, I, I want a master rapport. I'm ready for this. Raise your hand if you're like, I'm, I committed to this. Okay. You don't even know what you're committing to. Here's what I want you to do. At least once in the next week, preferably daily, but at least once next week, I want you to go someplace where you're probably never going to see the human being you're interacting with again. I like Starbucks because there's a million of them. And if you got the one you always go to, go to the one around the corner. Right. There's always like four within like the same rate. Just go to another one. It doesn't matter. And the person behind the counter, they'll probably have turnover within two weeks anyway. It doesn't matter. You'll never see them again. Do not do this game when there's a long line behind you. It adds too much pressure. You want really low stakes to do this game. And whatever the person behind the counter interacts with you like, I want you to do the opposite. They talk fast, you talk slow. Right? They talk loud, you talk quiet. You guys get this? What they use big words or use small words. They use smaller words or use big words. I want you to literally do the opposite in every way, shape, or form. And you will feel so quickly to understand the sense of being out of rapport. It's hilarious. I'm telling you. The mainly Starbucks, do they talk fast or slow? What do you guys think? Talk fast. They're hopped up on caffeine. They're young kids. They're like, blah, 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 right? So you go up to the counter, like, hi, welcome to Starbucks. How can I help you? And you go, yeah, I like. I'd like, what's the, what's the big cup? I don't remember the name, the big cuppy thing. What's the big cups called? You know, and they're just looking at you. I'm telling you, you do this for a minute or two, you do this five days in a row, you will understand rapport so much deeper than you ever have. And then flip it around, try the rapport game. See how quickly you can get into rapport with that random stranger. That's the homework. How many of you guys want to take it on? How many are like, I'll play with that. All right. I'm telling you, by the way, this this affects your personal relationships, your business relationships, buyers, sellers, recruitment. It's all the same stuff. It starts with a foundation of rapport. When you learn to master rapport, the rest of it all falls into place. So that's rapport. Now let's transition. We got 15 minutes. We want to talk listening, deep listening. This is not a reference to deep purple. This is like a psychology term. There's deep listening, there's active listening, all sorts of words. They kind of overlap in meaning, but let, let's, break, let's, let's break it down. Number one is eye contact. Even over Zoom, what is eye contact on Zoom, guys? Looking at the camera, this little black circle I'm staring at right here. It's really hard when I got all you up above my monitor, but like I need to remind myself to stare at the camera. This is a skill set when you're doing things on Zoom because it's weird to stare at a black circle and get no, no response from it. It doesn't smile at me. It doesn't nod its head, right? And so when I say skill set, the good news about that is it's not a God-given natural born anything. Some people might be better at it than others, but it is a skill that you can learn. Skills mean you can learn it. That's the good news for all of us. The more effort you put into it, if you choose to, to master a skill or even become competent at a skill, all of you can do this, right? So when you're in person, we got eye contact is, again, you know, pretty obvious. You want to make eye contact about 80% of the time. 20% you can look around. We know this if you've ever been to a, uh, to a doctor Anyone been to a doctor's office lately and they changed their procedures where they now type notes into a computer in the room with you? Anyone been to one of those doctors? Only two of you, the rest of you just never get sick. Okay. My doctor switched their procedures. If you've never been to a doctor, anyone see a doctor on TV? Raise your hand if you know what a doctor looks like from you've watched like ER, General Hospital, one of those shows. You guys, you guys know what doctors are? Cool. So you feel sick, you go to a room, you sit in, you sit in this little dark or bright light, you know, room with no windows. And the person comes in and they start doing the intake form. They always do an intake. 
always. And they ask you the same questions. How tall are you? What's your weight? When was the last time you pooped? I don't know. Whatever they ask you, right? And your doctors don't ask you guys that. All right. So they ask you these questions and sometimes they look at you and they treat you like a person. And then they install these computers and no one gave the nurses or doctors any new training on what they should do. And so now they're staring at the screen and I feel like I'm a piece of meat sitting on a bed. Has anyone felt that? Do not create that feeling in your clients. You want to make eye contact 80% of the time. That's why you got to internalize whatever script you're going to use or intake form, because then you can go back to being present. You speak generally at 135 to 160 words per minute. I tend to speak at around 200 words a minute, probably, but you get the idea. The average human being speaks at 135 to 160 words per minute. Type in the chat box how fast you believe you think. I want to see it in the chat box. How fast do you think you, how many words a minute do you think? Think it's higher, faster, lower, higher? What do you think? What number do you think we think at? I got 180, I got 500, I got 200, probably 250, 250, 20 words per minute. Someday it says, Matt, fair. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> good guesses. All right. Here's, here's what studies show. You speak at 135 to 160 words a minute, but your brain thinks at 400 to 600 words a minute. Isn't that interesting? And I have not done the research to, to verify this, but I've looked at studies that say that because part of it, what we think in is symbolic representation where certain symbols mean lots of words right? You're not necessarily thinking through sentences faster than you talk. Some of us, when we read, we literally hear our own voice in our head, right? I'm guilty of that. But you think in symbols. And so you basically cover 400 to 600 words per minute. So guess what happens? When you think so much faster than you speak, we get a phenomenon, which I'll cover a little more in depth later, but it's called mind drift. Mind drift. It's why we're halfway through this agent power huddle this morning. I lost some of you guys seven minutes ago. No, I'm kidding. But what it really means is your brain is processing the information I'm saying, and it reminds you of other things and other associations. When you're sitting with a seller and you're going over your marketing materials and you say something about how you're going to market the house, and it reminds them about this other thing they want to ask you about, and they go down this train of thought and they've missed the next two minutes of what you were saying, right? That's why we do things to ask questions and, and recap. But knowing when you're in the listening phase, when you are the listener, your mind is going to drift also. That's why it's a skill. You need to constantly bring it back like a, like a child that needs just a little bit of guidance. Or you could think of it like a sheepdog kind of like nipping at the heels, right? Of the sheep to get him back in the line. You want to gently, it's, don't make yourself wrong. It's okay. It's normal. It's part of our physiology. It's part of our structure. But you want to bring your mind back to actually being present to listening. That is the secret to being a really good interviewer, a really good listener is to be fully present in the moment. Is this making sense, guys? And it's why you need to practice these skills I'm about to teach you because I'm going to give you the six steps active listening, literally six steps. That's all it is. You want to master building rapport, learn to be a better listener. And it's these six steps I'm about to teach you. The only way you're going to do it and still be present, right? Let me put this back up on the screen. The only way you're going to be present and avoid this mind drift thing is to practice it. It is a muscle like going to the gym, like eating, like anything else you got good at in your life. Okay. Like brushing your teeth. So we're going to practice and I'll give you some framework of how to practice it. Some of you will take it on. Some of you will just listen to this one time and this is enough and I'm, I'm thrilled for you. But the more you practice, the more it becomes like riding a bicycle and it goes into the background or even driving a car. Raise your hand if you can make it from some other destination to your house minutes at a time without even knowing you're driving a vehicle. Raise your hand if you've ever had that phenomenon in your life. All of us. Okay. Because it's become at that 
mastery stage where it's 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 gone beyond comp- conscious competence. If you know what I'm talking about, like you've you just you autopilot. I want you all to be able to get to autopiloting in your listening skills so that you can go back to truly, truly listening to your client and being present. Does that make sense, guys? We start with being aware and then we build our skills. So let me give you the six steps. All right. Apparently, I got one more on deep on deep listening, by the way. Before we go into the six steps, give nonverbal feedback. As the listener, you actually want to give some feedback because it tells people it's okay to keep talking. Right? This is a skill that I had to learn when doing Zooms because a lot of times people sit on Zooms and they're on mute. So I have you guys raise your hand because I like getting feedback. I told you, get lonely. Right? Otherwise, it's really weird to talk for 30 minutes and have, like, imagine turning your lights off and just talking for 30 minutes in the dark. It's a weird feeling. It's why newscasters go to school for journalism to learn to talk to a black circle that gives no feedback. It's a really weird, but it's a skill set. You can learn it. You get practice with it. So when we're listening live, it's really easy to give nonverbal feedback by doing things like nodding, smiling, any sort of recognition. It doesn't have to be a lot, but when someone is sharing with you, even little logistical things, practice making sure you give a little bit of nonverbal feedback. Some of you are so stoic. Someone's telling you they're, they're unbearing their life story. They're telling about their divorce and how they have to sell their house and doing all these things. And you're sitting like this. Like maybe you give them a slight head tilt. Occasionally it's okay to be like, mm. right? Even that, mm. does that make sense? Because that that's, the, that's the subtle social cues that we've all trained each other to understand. I'm good to keep going. Now, some of you who are talkers out there, you don't need subtle social cues. You'll just, I'll be like, how's your day? You're like, well, let me tell you. And you'll talk for 20 minutes without anyone even engaging because you don't even care. You're talking for yourself. That's okay. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that's how you're wired. You just want to like, but some of our clients don't like to share and they will, they'll give you one or two word answers until you learn to get them to open up. I have a skill set that I can meet any stranger and probably learn half of their life story within five to 10 minutes. It's a conscious strategic skill set that has served me very well throughout my career. And I, I don't do it strategically. I do it because I like people and I like learning about them. But truly, it is a skill set and you can all learn it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's another guy. He's not here today. So Brian Curtis is here, um, what, like NLP trainer extraordinaire. Another guy, Fred Wilson, you've seen him on Agent Power Huddle. He's more of like looking for the now business. Fred also trains a version of this. There's all sorts of things you can go deeper, guys, if you're liking what I'm talking about. I just want to give you the, the, the basics today. So nod, smile, recognize. Now we're getting into active listening. Six steps. Ready? Six elements of active listening. It is truly this simple but it doesn't mean it's easy. You ever heard that before? Number one, this is the six elements of active listening. You got to stay in honesty. That one makes sense, right? You can't be deceptive. If you're truly trying to listen to someone, just honesty, integrity, that one's pretty straightforward. The next one, remaining neutral. If you're taking notes, write these down. Remain neutral. You are not listening as the judge. And Lisa, these six elements are going to make a good infographic if you want to post this later, uh, either this slide or another image like this. Um, or make this out of a clip, remaining, I'll, I'll recap them at the end, remaining neutral. So this is a big one. I like using divorce because it's a really polarizing thing. How many of you have ever worked with a client getting a divorce? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever seen a divorce on TV or know what it is? <laughs> just, kind of, just check. Make sure we're on the same page here. We're all awake. So when your client says to you on the phone, when the client says to you on the phone, yeah, I'm selling my house because I'm getting a divorce. What would your natural reaction be? Would you guys be like, raise your hand if you're like, oh man, that's terrible. Raise your hand if you're like, that's your first thought that pops in your head. Oh man, that's terrible. A couple of you guys. Raise your hand if you're like, wow, congratulations. 
Only a few of you. Okay. But you get the idea that whatever one you pick, because we don't know what it is for them. For some people, it is the best thing that ever happened to them. They've got a great relationship with their, with their ex-spouse. They are free now to do what they want to do. They're thrilled. Or maybe they were, were miserable and they're now, or maybe they're devastated and it's the worst thing ever. But if you come out of neutrality before you know what they're saying, they will never share their story with you. So you want to remain neutral. Uh, Leonora, I'll come back to that question in just a sec. I see that there. Let me go through these and I'll, I'll come back to that one in the chat box. All right. So remaining neutral. The next one here, no agenda. In a sales situation, I know where I am going. For the most part, like I know I'm coming to list their house or I know I'm coming to get hired. I know I'm having to write an offer. However, when I'm listening, I drop my agenda. I need to go discover first. I need to go listen to what is important to them. My agenda doesn't matter. And once I know what's important to them, typically our interest align, which is hiring me to sell their house. However, I don't know until I just, I want to listen first. Does that make sense, guys? And it's a really weird like push and pull here because you're like, but I have an agenda. But truly when you're listening, I let my agenda go just for that moment. I know where I'm going later, but I want to let it go to listen. The next one, I'm going to stay in context. I'm going to go fast through these last ones. I will wrap this up in four minutes. Check this out. Stay in context. This is the secret to being conversational. Oh, I, I didn't catch that. I, I, I had a typo. That should say the secret to being conversational. You want to update that, Lisa? The secret to being conversational. So when we go to meet a new buyer, it's usually with buyers that we tend to make it more like an interrogation right? We're like, where do you want to live? Why do you want to live there? And you jump all around, you ask them all these questions. But if you stay in context, whatever they say to you, you're going to ask your next question in relationship to what they've just told you, right? So what neighborhood are you looking at? Oh, we're looking at Broomfield and Denver Tech Center. I'm just making up Denver. I keep looking at Brian, making up Denver, right? Looking at Broomfield. Cool. You're looking at Broomfield. What, what's, what do you like about Broomfield? Right? Oh, well, our kids go to school there right now and they, they play sports. We got to oh, cool. What, what sports do you play? Right, blah, blah. And I'm going down the natural rabbit hole asking one question after another. It's called in context. Watch some of your favorite interviewers on TV and you will learn how they do this skill. Because otherwise, it becomes an interrogation. You want to live in Broomfield? Where are you in the night about April 24th, seven o'clock? Were you alone? Who was there? Were you followed? Right? Like you don't want to make your clients feel interrogated. It's making sense, guys. All right. Last two elements here ask questions. Making comments stops the flow. If you find yourself in a listening situation, making statements that end in a period, I don't want to say you're doing it wrong, but you're doing it wrong. Okay. You want to say things that end in a question mark and that not, not question mark. And then with six sentences afterwards, like, Oh, what do you like about Broomfield? What I like about Broomfield is it's really big and it's pretty. And I live there. Nope. That's a period. <laughs> okay. What do you like about Broomfield? Question mark. And notice when you ask a question, your voice typically goes up at the end. Goes up at the end, right? What do you like about Broomfield? Just saying a statement like as a question, I live in Broomfield, does not make it a question. Okay. <laughs> Don't be Ron Burgundy, it's not an anchor man reference. Like truly ask real questions, get curious, asking questions, keep the flow rolling. And last but not least, this is the biggest one that most people struggle with. I struggle with it. You'll struggle with it. We do it all the time. And as soon as I point it out to you, I apologize for the misery I'm about to create because you're going to see it happening everywhere. Listen, don't relate. Write that down. Listen, don't relate. It's building on the energy of the conversation. That's the magic. Watch this. Who wants to role play with me in a minute or less? Someone, I want someone to role play with me. I've been picking on Brian this whole time. Brian, you want to role play with me? All right. Ready? All right, Brian. So, Brian, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, you're muted. You're muted on your side, I think. I love golf. I play golf uh, as much as I humanly can. 
You love golf. I love golf. Do you know that I, I'm, dude, I'm so good at golf. I, I actually own six golf clubs. How many golf clubs do you own? I, it's too many to count. <laughs> but by the way, you can tell I know nothing about golf because I don't even know how to fake that. I, anyway, um, that's the, and I'm doing this really short because we don't have much time. I could do a, a much longer example, but it doesn't matter that I like golf. Watch this. This is what I mean when listen, don't relate. Hey, Brian, what do you like to do for fun? Tell me golf. What do you like to do for love, fun? Love to, love to play golf. Play every weekend. Really? Where, where do you play usually? Uh, I play at this place called Cole Creek. I'm a member over there. Oh, nice. Well, what's cool about Cole Creek? You know, it's just, it's really a great uh, value. And so it allows me to play more often instead of having to pay more money at, at some other courses. Nice, man. Are you, are you pretty good? I, you know, um, I, I'm always trying to get better. Okay. You guys get where I'm going with this, right? Did I once mention that I play golf or don't play golf? I do not play golf. I know nothing about golf. I could have a very in-depth conversation for 20 minutes with Brian about golf, only having him talk. He would never know whether I play or not. And it does not matter. It's the fact that I care about what's important to him, that shared energetic space, that shared energy, that's where the magic happens. Most of you go and you see a picture on a wall in a client's house and you start talking about how you do the same thing and you think that builds rapport. Not saying it doesn't build rapport, it does, but the, what builds rapport is the fact that you are putting energy into something that they also really like. Does that make sense, guys? Okay, so I'm right at the bottom of the hour. Let me make sure I get my last slide out here and then I will hang out for a couple of minutes and answer questions, but I wanna be respectful of your time. So the last one here, um, these are three concepts I'll unpack next time we do this or we go deeper. Already always listening. This is a con concept I learned in landmark education, right? Already always listening. Just Google it if you want to know about it. This thing made a huge difference in my life. It's about the filters we have as we're listening, our own biases. Um, we've got this one, mind drift we talked about. I just want to bring it up twice because your mind probably drifted the first time we talked about it. Just bringing it up again. And the last one, anchors. And I got to do this one because Brian Curtis is here. And then I will give you a recap, Lisa, so we can have a good clip to edit. Anchors. See what that person has on the screen there, that okay symbol? Some of you like to talk like me. Some of you, your brain thinks really fast like me. And when we get excited, we tend to interrupt and we have trouble. So I asked Brian Curtis, literally sitting in a restaurant in Boulder, Brian, help me with this because this is 15 years of my career, guys. I was pretty darn good at this. And I noticed that I was going through a phase of interrupting people. I wasn't letting them get their answers out. Anyone ever notice that they interrupt people? So Brian said, I use an, I said, how do you do this? Dude, you're a great listener. He said, I use an anchor. I take my hand like this, the okay symbol, and I put it on my knee. I can't show you my knee because it's off camera. That's the beauty of it. You, you wouldn't notice my hand is there. No one will see under the table that you got your finger on your knee. But I've trained myself to know when I do this, take a deep breath, let him talk. Listen, there's good stuff coming out. And so I, I will do this when I'm on Zooms or in person. I will put my hand when I notice I'm interrupting someone, I will put it on my leg under my knee and it reminds me as a physical anchor. And so I've gone through the visualization, which Brian can tell you later. But like to anchor that state, when I do this on my finger, it puts me into a state of being relaxed. Does that make sense, guys? All right. I got to answer this one question. I'll stick around and do Q&A. Lisa, I got time to do Q&A for a few minutes, right? All right. We are at the bottom of the hour. If you got a roll, thank you for being here. I hope this is impactful. We're going to keep going deeper with skills over the rest of this month. I mean, every day this week, every day this month, we have a trainer or a coach talking about now business. I'm going to recap this act of listening that I will answer some questions for those of you who got a little extra time. So here's my recap of the, this is the six stages, the six elements of active listening. This is the six elements of active listening. Number one, honesty. Number two, remaining neutral, right? You don't want to listen as the judge. Number three, you want to have no agenda. Number four, you're going to stay in context. That's the secret to being conversational. Number five, 
We've got, you want to be an interviewer, not an interrogator, right? You're going to ask questions. That's part of staying in context. Next couple here, we want to ask questions because comments stop the flow, right? Nothing that ends in a period. And then you're going to listen, but not relate. You're going to listen. Don't relate your own stories. Those are the six things. All right. Is this helpful so far, guys? You like this? All right. I thought I could get 30 minutes. I'm three minutes over. Let's see. Leonora had a question. What do you do when you listen deeply, but the other person doesn't give you space? What? Let me read that slowly. What do you do when you listen deeply, but the other person... What do you mean the other person doesn't give you space, Leonora? I'm not sure if I understand the question. Because if you're listening, you, they don't need to give you space. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. Th- does that make sense? Like they don't... Do you mean it's, they don't talk? Go ahead, Leonora. Uh, yeah. It's uh, when they keep talking and, uh, you know, they don't... Uh, and even allow you to start asking a question. Got, got it. So that's perfect. That makes your job really easy. You don't have to do anything. So I spend most of my day these days, guys, training agents and doing some recruitment appointments. Like I still sell some houses, but mainly it's just like, I'm talking about people about like joining the company, what works in their life, coaching sessions. My favorite thing to do, I had a mentor who said, you just want to ask someone, tell me about yourself and then shut your mouth. I love the calls where I say, tell me about yourself. And 20 minutes later, they're still talking. Makes my job really easy. I have a question. That makes sense? Go ahead, Taylor. Okay. So typically I have this problem and I know I do it, but in the moment when I get nervous, I like to, and I do it with my kids too sometimes, is I'll ask a question and almost just answer it for myself. I'll say, oh, what do you like about golf? And I'll say, oh, do you probably like this, you know, like almost assuming. And so I understand slowing down and taking a deep breath, but I think it's my anxiety of just almost anticipating their answer and it not wanting to be what I want to hear. So what is your recommendation for kind of slowing down other than like breathing skills, but um, just slowing down and not because I think it's just a brain thing and a habit at this point. It's like more of a defense skill, like a stress mechanism that typically I don't do it like I just did it now, like asking a question and then answering it and going forward. So what do you recommend? Taylor, can I first compliment you on your self-awareness? Oh, Truly. thank you. You have incredible self-awareness to know that it is. I don't know if you use the word, did you say anxious or did I just hear that? Did you say the word anxiousness? Anxious and stress, I think mostly just because if I see your face, like you have your kind of concerned frown, just listening, I'll think, oh, he, he's thinking this about me and almost answer questions for you. So yes. Yes. So so check this, so check this out. I, I, I'm not a therapist, but I'm married to one. And so, um, this is not a therapy session, but I will tell you, you are spot on that. It's more about the internal patterns running in your head and it could be a pattern. It could be a habit, but I think it's more of developing a felt sense of confidence in yourself that you that, that, that you got it, that you know where you're going. And okay. that when you have that, and this is a longer answer that we could do more, but I'm trying to give you the quick answer. It's developing that sense, whatever we need to do. First of all, bringing down your level of anxiety in general, exercise, meditation, grounding as a baseline and maybe resetting throughout the day. That will help if you know, like I'm a highly anxious person. So I do this a lot, but then okay. it's, it is in the moment being like, Oh, I see what I'm doing. I'm trying to control this conversation because I'm not confident in where it's going. And that means you're not actually confident in your own skills. I mean, how long have you been in real estate for, Taylor? I'm a new agent. So I literally got my license in February and I'm also in the pool business. So we do a lot of sales. Like we're very like close the deal, get this pool remodeled. And that's very much my husband. He does not listen. He just is like, let's move on. But me, I'm more caring and really care about what people think. But I almost want to deny the answer most of the time because I'm worried about what they're going to say and how they're going to feel about it. 
Okay. So, so I see, a lot, I see a lot of me too's in the chat box. So we'll, 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 we'll wrap this up in a sec guys, but cause I want to Taylor hit me up offline. I don't, I think uh, I got a message. Someone invited you here as a guest today. Hit me off. We'll set up a time to talk offline because we go sure. deeper. But the, but the short answer is you will, if you're new to real estate, you can't really look at your success in real estate to give yourself confidence because you're new. You can't right. use it, but you can look at other areas of your life where you've created success and know that if you're a person who's wired that way, if you've created success before, you can create it again in yourself. Just the fact that you're here and you're asking this question and you're self-aware enough to know is exactly what, what I know you're going to shift this, right? Like right. you have this, you have success in your pool business. And for some of you guys, you have to go back further. Maybe it's high school sports, maybe it's whatever, but if you've done it once, you can do it again. It's just learning these new skills. This is a skill to learn, but it starts with that internal sense of like, oh, I see what I'm doing here. This is my anxiety. It's trying to feel like awkward silences are really uncomfortable. You have to, you have to get comfortable with uncomfortableness. That's a skill set. I see some of you smiling because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Is this helpful, Taylor? Yeah, it helped me a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's just time to really talk to me offline or Brian Curtis, if he's got some other trainings or we've got uh, some other, I mean, there's some amazing people who have like, there's lo like long, like I, I don't have a course. I'm not selling anything, but like there are courses you can take that if you want to, here's, here's something that might help you also, Taylor, and for everybody. This is what I would tell you guys. I had a coach who told me this, so write this down. You want to be attached to the process detached from the outcome, attached to the process, detached from the outcome. So the more you can focus on the process, Taylor, of listening and the skill set and really focusing on that, it will take the focus and it'll take the focus off of the outcome and it'll magic will happen just on its own. So taking a class on this, taking a multi-week journey, multi-day journey to go deep will actually focus you on the process and help you not only learn the skills, but also shift that sense of internal confidence in yourself. Any other questions? I got time for one more and then we'll wrap up the season. Does Brian have any courses we can sign up for? Shay, that's a very good question. Brian, do you have a link or anything? Because I keep talking about you. What do you got? Yeah, after the first of the year, I'm putting together a class about everything Jesse's talked about today and then a heck of a lot more. So um, yes, myself and uh, you met Alex Andrew the other day, Jesse. Alex and I are working on that together as we speak. Nice. By the way, guys, I make $0 if you buy Brian's course. I just, he's been one of my, he's one of my friends for years, but he's one of my favorite NLP trainers, sales trainers out there. Like Brian is incredible. So I keep referencing him on this call because I, I want you all, I want you all to be able to go deeper on this and I don't have anything to offer for you. So I want you to go find the resources that are out there and dive in, but just hey, if, Jesse, nothing else. If, if ahead, you give Brian. me two seconds, I'll tell I'll just, I'll do a quick training that might be helpful. When we're talking about rapport. So you, you said, how do you get into rapport? So it's called pacing and leading. It's physical pacing and leading. I'm going to go back to mirroring and matching. So here's the trick. It's like a waltz. I'm going to mirror and match one thing you do. I'm going to mirror and match something else you do. And then I'm going to do something else and see if you follow. So it's pace, pace, lead. And if that doesn't work, you know what you do? You pace, pace, lead. You do it over again. I promise you, if you mirror and match somebody, three times in a row that way, you will be in rapport. It's it's literally that simple. And this is my favorite thing to say about it. Stop trying to do the Spanish Inquisition. You know, do you like pizza? I like pizza. Okay, do you like movies? I like movies. Do you like music? I like music. I'm like, holy crap. Just physically mirror and match them. And guess what? You don't have to have anything in common. And that's the beauty of it. So that that's, I just wanted to throw that in there. I think it, it has value and um, it's really that simple. Try it. 100% guys. I, I'm sorry we went 10 minutes over for those of you that like are like, I got to go, but this is good. Go watch the recording later. Um, I just had people, by the way, type their emails into the chat box, Brian. So Lisa Kelly can copy those and send them and send it to you, the transcript, so you can add them to your email list. Like if you want to know about the, these trainings, just like 
guys, this is the, here's where we're going to end with this. Ready? This is the market we are in right now. It is October 25th, 2022. This is the market where professional real estate agents shift, gobble up business, become incredibly successful, and the rest of the people leave the industry. This is exactly what you're experiencing. And those of you on this call are going to be the ones that are going to master these skills to uplevel your game. And you're going to have incredible businesses in the next few years. This is the time we've been waiting for. No more just like answer your phone and be an order taker. This is where your skills matter. And this is what we taught you today, the basic building blocks. Like all of you can do this. I believe in you guys probably more than you believe in yourself. I'm telling you. Enjoy your day. Thank you for spending time with me. See you guys tomorrow. See you guys next day. Have a good one, my guys. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.